This is the Oklahoma Talking Company. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for coming around again. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Hey everybody, welcome to the OKC Show. I'm Jason Baffrey, I'm your host, and looking forward to another great program with you today. And I am honored to have with me in the studio a gentleman that I've had the great pleasure of meeting over the past, uh, and getting to know over the past year or so. And uh, you've seen a lot in the news recently about uh, the police and all kinds of things, negative, positive, and, and, and we're not going to get into that. But I, this guy, if he is any representation of, of the police in Oklahoma City, and he is, we are blessed in this city to have a, a great department and some great officers. And I, it's just been my pleasure to get to know Lieutenant Waylon Cubitt, who is the supervisor of the FACT program and the truancy Department for the Oklahoma City PD. And uh, Wayland, welcome to the OKC Show. Thank you, Jason. I enjoy being here. I like hanging out with you anytime I can. Now, this is actually the first time I've seen you in, in uniform, and you're kind of intimidating. Well, don't be, don't be intimidated. <laughs> I, know, I know you're probably trying to not to text and drive or anything like right. that. But yeah, well, right. that's a whole other thing. Jeez. <laughs> I'm, I'm concerned about that right, ordeal now, right. too. First of all, Waylon, let's talk a little bit about the, the FACT program. Uh, explain what it is so people understand. Well, FACT is an acronym, and it, it stands for Family Awareness and Community Teamwork. And uh, the reason we call it that is because it's a, a unit of police officers that want to make families aware of the dangers of gangs, uh, the dangers of uh, kids getting involved in delinquency activity or disruptive behavior. And then uh, community teamwork is after we make families aware of that, we want to serve as a team member with the community trying to address those issues and find things and positive things for kids to do. So FACT is just an acronym that means family awareness and community teamwork. And this is something um, a lot of people may not realize that the Oklahoma City Police Department takes this focus. And this is not going out and arresting gang members and, and things like that. You guys are working with the youth of the community. Some of them troubled or coming from bad situations, but you are helping them along. You're mentoring them. You've got some some great programs in place, some events that you do, uh, and you guys are just really doing some great things and, and a completely different approach that I think most people might imagine that a police department would take with gang members or potential gang members. Right. What, what we realize as a police department years ago, and many police officers and many police departments across the country know this, but just how do we address it? We know that we're never going to be able to arrest our way out of criminal behavior, or gang involvement, uh, that type of thing. We know that just arresting and arresting and arresting does not solve the problem whatsoever. <clears throat> so what we thought is that we would use uh, the the wisdom and experience gained as, gained as a police officer to identify kids that are ha hanging out with the wrong crowd or maybe just headed down the, the bad road, not necessarily they're in gangs or anything, but, but they, they make themselves susceptible to that kind of lifestyle based on who they're hanging out with, uh, there's the risk factors in which they grow up in, 
all those type of things. So we know as officers how to identify those kids pretty early, but we didn't know a mechanism to actually deal with them until we created this program. How long has the FACT program been in place? Well, we started exploring and piloting the program in 2007. It was, uh, at that time, it was an army of one, me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started out uh, talking to different faith-based organizations, finding out what was going on, what the needs were for our youth in uh, the areas, uh, northeast side predominantly, and then on the south side predominantly. That's where we have the highest concentration of gangs in Oklahoma City. So we wanted to kind of work in that area. So 2007, 2008, we kind of worked on that. It took off. Uh, the community was very helpful and very supportive of our effort. And so shortly thereafter, I became two. We got another officer to, to, to help me, Lieutenant uh, Jermaine Johnson. And then two became four. And so now we have uh, four officers, myself as the supervisor, and we operate out of two community centers, one at the Northeast Community Center, which is at 1220 Northeast 33rd, which is right behind Northeast High School. And the other one is at uh, 12, what is it? I forget the address, 3916, 3916 South Lindsay, right off of uh, Lindsay Street on the south side of Oklahoma City. Yeah. Now, in 2007, when this came about, was this something that you you came up with or something that your the higher up said, hey, we want to do this and Wayland, you're our guy and, and here you go. How did that come about? Yeah, kind of interesting. I was working undercover uh, street crimes, narcotics and things and and working in my church with youth and, and uh, doing community events and that kind of thing. The chief of police, Chief Bill City, called me to his office and and said that he wanted to do something in the area of gang prevention. Uh, he he had a, a lot going on with suppression and intervention with our street officers, but we didn't have anything prevention wise, and we didn't really have a way for the community to really volunteer with the police department other than. Uh, some of the traditional things really just call and tell us what you know, and we'll try to keep you anonymous and we will do that and and respond to what you tell us. But now here's a way that the community can actually join hands with the police department and mentor and work with us on events and support our kids and our effort, uh, you know, as a, as a group, as a team member. Yeah. And Let's back up a little bit. Where are we right now in in Oklahoma City? I mean, you say the a gang problem and you talk about gangs, and that's not something that most people are may not be aware of. We may hear rumors or see, you know, documentaries here and there and, and talk of gang gang banging. And, I, you know, I think when you think about gang activity, you think uh, bigger cities than Oklahoma City. But I know that there's been an issue here for a long time, but it's not at the, the forefront of most people's minds, I don't think, unless they live in the specific neighborhoods. Right, Perhaps. we're about we're about in Oklahoma City. We're about in our fourth generation of gangbanging in Oklahoma City. We're between five and six thousand documented gang members in Oklahoma City currently. That's spread out over six hundred and thirty-eight square miles, but they're kind of concentrated in the inner city uh, predominantly. It's predominantly African American and predominantly Hispanic uh, in its membership, and we probably have about a representation of about a hundred different gang sets mm. in, in Oklahoma City. So I know it's not the the buzzword for media right now, but it is definitely uh, something on the radar of the police and something that we like to keep a hand on and try to keep intelligence on and try to keep it from becoming uh, kind of a cancer in our community. We know what what gangs, if if allowed to to breed or to exist without any kind of suppression whatsoever or any kind of prevention whatsoever, they can actually do a lot of harm to a community. And so we uh, we have a. Uh, 
gang units on three shifts. And then we have our police athletic league and we have the FAC program and we're just trying to do our best to, to be uh, really proactive in keeping gangs uh, out of our schools, gangs off our street and from affecting the, uh, the common good of our, our community. Yeah. What, what ages are you getting the most of, or, or what is, even is the age range that you're running into on the streets that are active um, gang affiliated? Well, you, your most active, your most violent, your most dangerous uh, gang members are going to be, you know, young adults, you know, between, you know, 17 and maybe 25, 30 years old. But now we see them, you know, the, if you were asking me what's the youngest gang member I've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen gangbanging as, as young as nine and 10 years old. Wow. You know, our kids actually affiliating themselves with a particular gang set at nine or 10 years old. Yeah, that's it's just amazing to me. I know you've had a lot of time to ponder this over over the years and, and have probably some factual information and some speculation. But what what leads to that gang activity to for young men and young boys to um, get jumped into a gang and, uh, you know, do that sort of thing or look at that as a way of life? Well, Jason, let's I mean, let's let's just face the facts. Uh, we're in about like I said, we're in about our 40th year of gang banging. So there's we literally have uh, kids that are being born into particular gangs. They don't they don't have to get jumped in anymore. My my dad was this particular gang member. My dad's dad was a particular gang member. And it's just a natural progression of things that I do the same thing. And so uh, a lot of the kids are just taking on what their their family tradition, right? You'll see a lot of tattoos. Sometimes it says fourth generation, third generation. And so uh, uh, that's one way. But the other thing is that gangs often feed off the needs that are not being met from particular youth in our community. So where there's no needs being met, they just fill in those gaps. And a lot of times those needs are being provided by unhealthy families, by the family. Yeah. And all the gang needs to do to lure or entice or uh, is to provide what's missing in those kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's where the dysfunction is. And, yeah. and they, they feel attached because this becomes their family. And that's the bond. What kind of response do you get um, from the the youth that you interact with, I mean, what's their response to the to the program and what you're doing? I mean, you roll up as a as a police officer and you're like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna hang out with you and we're gonna do some fun stuff and go play basketball or um, do this. I mean, wh- how do they respond? Well, in uniform, it's not that good. You know, the uniform is is definitely a barrier. Uh, it comes with a lot of preconceived ideas about you know what we are or who we are. Uh, a lot of times the police have not been real good to their families. They've seen uniformed police officers take their mothers and fathers to jail. And, and, and quite frankly, when police show up, it's always a bad situation. So we don't, our unit, the guys that work in our unit are not in uniform. They're in plain clothes. They drive plain cars. And they just try to, first and foremost, don't try to hide the fact that we're police officers, but we try to reveal who we are. And, and try to keep police work is what we do. Yeah, you're humans right? first. We're humans please. first, right? And so we let them know that we care about them, that we have kids ourselves, that we go to church and we play and we care about what happens to them. And we really just treat them just like our, our own kids. And we treat them like family. And we, we take that same model. If we see that they have needs and they're suffering in certain areas, we do our best to fill in the gaps. We've, we try to be the family for them. And that's the hook. So uh, the, the kids honestly do not care uh, 
whether we're white or black or we're cop or whatever our job is, they really just kind of ascertain whether we care or not. They don't care where we are, who we are. They just care that we care. And they and they know it pretty quick. Yeah. We uh, we had Carrie Sowers. Uh, John and Carrie Sowers are, are friends of ours, um, mutual friends. And the Mentoring Project is an organization that we, as the OKC Show Oklahoma Talking Company, love and support. And we attended the Place Conference recently, and you were there and spoke. And I know you're connected with the Mentoring Conference. And you have you have this great personal story, you know, kind of in the in the early days uh, of how you've helped uh, a young man. And, and can you share that with us now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as the story goes, you know, um, I don't even know where to start, but uh, uh, I met a kid in my church. This is about the same time uh, the FACT program started is I was working in my church as the uh, youth director and uh, a kid named Willie attended uh, regularly. Uh, But Willie was one of those kids that kind of got on my nerves because he he carried himself like a gang member, and as my work as an undercover police officer, I, be, I became to just kind of despise uh, gang members. I saw the destruction in our community. I saw the violence that they did. I saw the intimidation that they did, and I saw that my work as a police officer was to kind of be that buffer between them and the community. And, and at church, at these youth groups and these youth meetings, Willie really kind of rubbed me as that kind of person. So I found myself kind of uh, judging him really based on uh, my experience on the streets. Uh, but other than rather than treat Willie bad, I had to really be friendly with Willie because he was a leader in our in our youth group. And if anybody that works with youth and work with youth groups, you know you have a couple of standout kids that so how they go, uh, their day is that's how your group is gonna go that yeah. day. And so I kinda uh, talked to Willie a lot, hung out with Willie a lot, and kinda tried to figure out what kind of day we were gonna have in the group because however Willie was feeling was how this group was going to be. Uh, but as it happens, I was still working undercover at the time. And uh, one day I went to go do a drug, undercover drug buy at a, at a crack house. And as I made my approach, I noticed that Willie was actually working working at this, this drug house. Mm-hmm. And, and approximately how old is, is Willie at this Willie, point? Willie at this time was 12, 13 years old. Okay. Right. And, and does he know that you're a police officer? He does. Okay. He does. Or uh, And uh, I think he knows. I didn't really hide yeah. it, but I never wore a uniform to church or sure. anything like that. So I'm pretty sure he knows, but it's not the kind of thing I want to take a chance, yeah. chance at. So uh, instead of walking up to the house, I just walked by the house and I informed my uh, my team members that we, we, we can't, I can't do it. Uh, and the reason why I couldn't do it is because we may be blown if I walk up there and that kid recognizes me. Right. Uh, so we still, I insisted on that we still make a case on this house if there's one available, and, and we did. So we uh, we made, we sent another undercover officer in. We, we got the evidence. We needed to get a warrant, and uh, we went back to serve the warrant. Uh, I was really intent in changing Willie's mind about gangbanging and selling drugs and that lifestyle, and I thought that uh, my capacity as a police officer would really change it. So uh, I asked that, hey, let me go in the door first and let me let me get Willie. And I'm going to teach Willie a lesson. And so sure enough, we kick in the door to serve our search warrant. And sure enough, Willie, is he's there. He's the front of the door. And I, I grab him and I throw him to the ground and I'm, I'm masked up. You know, I'm, I don't I've got my raid mask on and uh, I handcuff him and I, I'm really rough and I'm yelling and screaming. I'm trying to make this the, as scary as possible. And I know you've never been in a drug raid, but they're no, pretty scary. But no, they're pretty I, scary. I, I can imagine. That's why I try to stay away from <laughs> right, them. Right. So 
anyway, uh, uh, I take Willie outside. I reveal myself to him, and he's crying, and I'm fussing, and he's crying, and I'm fussing, and uh, and I go ahead and arrest him anyway. Even though I kind of know he's a good kid, I know he's very smart, I know his leadership potential, but I wanted him to get the full effect of the, the consequences of his decision to be a gang member and to, and to sell dope and that kind of thing. So we sent him on to, to juvie jail, and, and I thought, I, I felt pretty proud about myself, honestly. I thought, you know, that's one kid that knows my heart because he seems to be at church, and he knows the discussions I have at church, and then he also knows that I ain't going to play and that the, the law doesn't play and that this is bad, and, and I just gave him all the consequences. And But over the next couple of years, uh, Willie didn't get better, and Willie never came back to church. Willie uh, got worse and worse and more involved in the gang activity. And uh, I know that because I was doing drug investigations and gang investigations, and I hear his name, and I hear street name over and over and over. And so uh, I was really discouraged that that uh, my mean hand, my tough hand, didn't didn't really affect Willie the way that I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it actually made him worse. Now, I don't know if it made him worse, but he didn't get better. Yeah. And so um, I just kind of gave up on on him as a as a lost cause and. You know, we'll see him in prison one day or or like most gang members, he'll end up in prison or he'll end up dead or strung out on drugs. And he'll just be one of those statistics that we lose. Well, as the story goes, uh, uh, I I see Willie. I went to go pick up my my son at his school and I see Willie at bus loading. uh, All the kids are leaving school and and I see Willie and I and I'm and I just heard about him in in a gang investigation so I knew he wasn't in school at least I thought he wasn't so I got out of my car and I approached Willie and I grabbed him and I said you're you're trespassing on school property because you don't go to school here and he goes no I, I go to school here and I actually play football here I said Willie you and I both know you're you, you gang bang you don't go to school and he said no he says uh Cubit, I I go to school here I'm trying to change and I said okay well we'll see about that and I called the school officer over and the school officer confirms his story he's a he's a school student there and uh, so I go, OK, well, I got my eye on you. And I did. Every single time I checked on my son at school, I, I checked on Willie and I checked on my son a lot. And yeah. so I was checking on I was checking on uh, Willie quite a bit. And so Willie and I began to talk a lot. We began to text. Uh, we began to uh, to communicate. I checked on his grades. He 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 showed me some of his work. And uh, and through this, I, I ended up taking him home a few times, taking him out to eat and and this was an unofficial, official mentoring relationship. Uh, he hung out with me and my son uh, on our outings, and and um, I learned that he was living with his girlfriend and his girlfriend's mom. Uh, his dad was uh, nowhere to be found, and, and mom was having her personal struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is where he lived. And I, I didn't agree with it, but I couldn't do anything about it. Uh, and I knew at some point the adult in me, the Knew that th- that that was going to come to a to some kind of end somehow, some way. Sure, and it did. And uh, so he got into an argument with his girlfriend, and of course, an argument with the girlfriend is an argument with the mom, yeah. right? And so uh, he was going to have to find another place to live, and he was going to go to the streets. And I already knew what that meant uh, for him. He he could survive. He knew how to do it. Uh, so after talking and talking to my wife, and and uh, we just decided that we would give him a place to live. So. Uh, Willie became my first uh, foster kid 
and he came to live with us. And so now this is this is a kid that you have. Uh, I mean, you you gave him a piece of your mind. You you arrested him. You I mean, you really kind of had a bad uh, taste in your mouth about about him in general in, in the beginning. And here you are making the decision to invite him into your home and and be uh, for all intents and purposes your son, a yeah. son. Yeah. Well, Jason, those those judgments that I made about him were as I didn't know him. Yeah, I didn't know him. And uh, he didn't know me. And had he known I was a police officer, he would have had the same feelings about about right. me, uh, you know, kind of thing. So as I got to know him and as he got to know me, what we did in the past uh, really didn't matter. We really I saw the potential in him. I saw what he could what he could be and what he could do. And uh, uh, I actually prayed about it. I prayed years ago that I wanted to be a servant and I wanted to do whatever God asked me to do. But as the the joke goes, he God has a sense of humor. So yeah. now all of a sudden you have a cop and a and a gang member that are uh, not looking looking at each other as cop and gang member, looking at each other as father and son. Yeah, and so that's, that's amazing. The, yeah, and and what happened? Uh, I mean, that relationship went on. He lived with, with you. Yeah, and, he li- he lived with me. He's uh, twenty. I guess a father should know his son's birthday. I don't remember his <laughs> birthday, but uh, his uh, he should be twenty three years old now. He lives in Arizona and he has two kids. Wow! Right, and so he's uh, he had to leave here because of the uh, the pressures of his past lifestyle. Sure, but uh, I com- completely support that, and we talk and text on a regular basis. Yeah, and and he's in a good good place, good direction, and sounds like it to me. Yeah, yeah sounds, sounds like it to me. Yeah, that's amazing, and you. And uh, and your officers that that work with you on the FACT program, um, you do a lot of different types of programs. You try to engage with uh, in the lives of of not just young men, but young women. Also, you have uh, young women. And I had the pleasure of coming to one of your events uh, earlier this year that you did. And I mean, it was just really cool. And um, talk a little bit about some of the things that you do and uh, how you guys are reaching into the lives of these young people. Yeah, the the one that it's kind of cool that you got to come out and visit. We, we did uh, we do a lock in for uh, twenty girls, and then we do a lock in for twenty young men, and we select them in various ways. But we try to get inner city kids with that we that our officers see leadership potential in, and we lock them in for for twenty four hours. And for the guys, we call it man up. And for those guys, for twenty four hours and different events and. Uh, games and speakers and workshops, we talk about what it means to be a real man. You know, so uh, for 24 hours, these guys learn how to tie a tie. They learn about teamwork. They learn about their capacity to help one another in various ways. You know, in um, the girls do the same thing. They call it We Rise. And so for 24 hours, we bring in all these different professional people, powerful speakers, and we put together these workshops that just inspire these these young ladies to rise together, to work to, to, together, to break the mold of what the media and social media might be telling them and tell them to, and teach them to kind of stand up as strong, independent women that support each other. Yeah. It, it was really amazing, my experience there and seeing the response of these young people, both the girls and, and the boys, uh, just how well they responded to the mentors that were there and the speakers that were there. And I mean, it was um, I mean, you guys don't hold back. I mean, you talk about some true uh, things that I don't think I'll eat. kids aren't going to hear in school if they're going to school and kids aren't going to hear necessarily in church. Um, and it's the opposite of what they're perhaps going to hear on the street or from their friends. Um, 
And so it was really impactful. And, and I could see the impact that it had on the kids. I was there for, um, for the guys when they got to go around and say kind of what the, the weekend or the night had meant to them. And it was so inspiring to hear their response and, and see the impact that you and, and the other people that were involved in the, the man up event for that particular one, um, the impact that they had had. And I mean, it wasn't just like, Hey, you know, we had a great time and playing, playing hoops was cool. This was like, you know, I've learned something here and, and this makes me want to change my life and change the direction, or I see the value in myself or the value in my family that I've never seen before. Things like that. Things that, uh, you know, could really change the course of, of their lives. And, and I know these aren't, you know, those kids were some that you've been working with for a while that you've built relationships some with. Of them, some, some of them. Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Four or five of them we knew and uh, others we just invited. Okay. And, uh, uh, and one of the kids that we just invited, incidentally, uh, just hearing you talk about that, I remember one of those impact statements and that kid has gone on to OU. He's a freshman at OU right now. And uh, he called me at, uh, at about nine o'clock one night. No, seven o'clock. Yeah, one night. Okay, in a panic. <laughs> he was in a panic, and he he called me Lieutenant Whalen. He said, Lieutenant Whalen, uh, I'm on my way to an event, and I know how to tie the tie. I'm walking over there now. He <laughs> says, but I I cannot get the length of my tie right, and and I know you showed us. I don't. I, I'm not tripping. I, I can do it. But why I can't get the length right? I've been working on this for 30 minutes, and so I talked him through it, and he got it, and he sent me a picture on Instagram of what he looked in his tie. And he never tied a tie before a man up. He never tied a tie before a man up. And now he was in college and he didn't call his dad. He didn't call an uncle. He didn't call his homies from, from back in the school. He called a police officer who he identified as his Lieutenant Whalen to help him do something in a social setting that had nothing to do with law enforcement or law or him being in trouble or any of that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of the reason why we did not officers and our mentors that we, uh, assigned to work with us and that they, they, they give stories like that all the time. Yeah. Is there any way that you can gauge the impact that you're having? I mean, are there any numbers that are, how do you gauge it? How do you look at success for the fact program? There's, 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 okay. There's departmental success. And yes, I have to produce those numbers. How many kids did we contact? How many, how many did we offer to the program? How many stayed in the program? You know, that type of thing. How many, police contacts that they have before they came in the program and how many do they have after, how many times are they being suspended, what their grades are, those type of things we try to track. Uh, and, but what, what makes it successful for me is every one of those officers are being able to connect to an individual uh, that, that can say, this kid, uh, we impacted by, by this or that. I, get, I see the impact the other day when, uh, just yesterday, when there was an accident that happened uh, at 23rd and Penn, and a fight happened right after the wreck, and I pull up in my police car, and it had just happened. So I'm cleaning up the mess, trying to talk to people, and this kid runs across 23rd and Penn, and he runs up to my police car in the middle of all of this and, and wants to tell me, Hey, I saw you over here. I wanted to speak to you. I was in the FAC program. I used to go to the Northeast Center and hang out with you. And I go, yeah, I remember you wanted to be a police officer. He says, yeah, but I changed that now. I want to be a CIA, FBI. Wow. And I said, well, do you know any CIA, FBI agents that love you? He goes, no, <laughs> but I know four or five police officers that love me. 
And I said, well, maybe you ought to try working for this police department and back me up someday, you know? And he said, yeah, maybe so. And he ran off. You know, I don't remember kids when I started this police department running up to greet police officers while they did their work. Yeah, that's, you know, a, that's uh, just really great. Right. And so that's that to me, that's success. And I can tell you, I, I cannot walk into a gym in an Oklahoma City school where kids don't greet me. I don't care if I'm in uniform or if I'm hanging out with my kids. Uh, I see the officers that work in this program. They go to uh, wherever we are and we out to eat. If we see kids, these kids know them by first name. Yeah. Know them by first name and are not afraid to come up and greet them. And we just hope that that and we try and we're talking about leadership and respecting authority right now and our character lessons. And so we're teaching them just because they wear a uniform, they're people, too. They just have a job to do. Right. And so the kids in our program that hang with us, they learn that. And that's how I, that's how I gauge success. I got to give the numbers. Right. And the numbers sure. sometimes doesn't look good. We have a lot of kids that, that we talk to that doesn't uh, gravitate to our program or stick with our program. Uh, so if we just look at the numbers, it may not look like we're getting the, the most bang for our buck, but the stories and the relationships are what's, what's paying off for me. Yeah. What, what to you is the the value of mentorship in these kind of relationships? I mean, explain how that kind of impacts you and impacts the people that you work with. Well, I've experienced it. And uh, so you'll hear me say this time and time again, our program, you can call it whatever you want to call it. And there's tons of programs out there. I've seen just since 2007 when I started this program, I've seen a lot of great programs come and go. Uh, But programs don't change people. People change people. And in order for us to change people, in order for us to get them uh, to be inspired to to take hold of their and ownership of their own success, it takes relationship and mentoring, showing them that I'm one, I'm a person. I, one, have uh, struggles that I've had to overcome, and you can do it, and this is how, right? And so you can do that with, with friendship and accountability, right? So the best mentors are good friends, they're good leaders, but they also hold their mentees accountable. And that's what we're looking for in our officers. Our officers uh, uh, hold not only their their mentees accountable, but we hold each other accountable to do the kind of things, to be the kind of leaders that they can look up to in and out of uniform. Yeah, that's great. What are the um, the next steps, if you will? Are there next steps? I mean, are you guys in a, in a place where you feel like you're doing what you need to do and you have what you need to have? Or are there um, would you like to escalate things or increase uh, the number of officers? How, what are you looking at down the road? Right. Well, we, we really want to make sure that every kid we contact uh, has a mentor. And we although the officers are mentoring, they can't mentor all the kids that we reach. Right. So. We want a steady bank of healthy, positive, caring adults that we can link these kids with. We want to be able to put more kids in our programs, which means uh, maybe we need more officers, but maybe we need just more committed volunteers. So uh, right now, the, the, the push is to kind of link more with a variety of faith-based organizations so that we can have that variety available for our kids when it comes to mentoring and events. So all these faith-based organizations are already doing really, really cool events. So I don't think it's necessary for us as a police department to keep creating new events to, to engage with youth. But if we can partner with the right faith-based organizations all around town, uh, then we, once we meet kids, we can link them with those faith-based organizations and they can begin to nurture and mentor and care for those kids just as well as we could. Yeah. 
How can people find out more about the program uh, or get involved? I mean, do you have a sign up if people want to become mentors connected to the FACT program? Well, right now, we uh, if they want to mentor, we ask that they go through the mentoring project, get the, the training that they offer. And also, you can also get to us through Big Brothers and Big Sisters. They are also aware of how to link mentors, specific mentors to the FACT program. Uh, also, our website at the police department is under construction, so we're gonna we're gonna be having a, a link when you go to the Oklahoma City Police Department's website to FACT, and so you can also refer kids to our program. You can also uh, find out more about the presentations that some of our officers go out and do. We do presentations for for community groups about what we do and and the lessons that we teach kids, and we do some uh, anti gang presentations for for different schools and church groups. But you can ask for them, request those through our website once we get it running. But until then, you can uh, email me or we can call uh, 297-1174 and get our secretary and she'll get the information to me and the officers about what's needed and what you want. That's great. Uh, Wayland, are, you've been doing this for what, eight years now. You, are you still loving it? And uh, uh, You know, I've, I've, I don't get to spend as much time with kids as I like. I'm doing a lot more administrative stuff because I also supervise the truancy unit and, and things. But I still love the impact that I see being made. I, I love meeting uh, new people so that I can create opportunities and, and, and have resources for our kids when needed. So that's what I'm doing more so now. I do miss just, just plain old hanging out with kids and, and, and doing some mentoring trips and things like that. But but it's getting done, so I'm excited about it. Yeah, that's great. Well, Lieutenant Waylon Cubitt uh, has been our guest today on the OKC Show. He's the supervisor for the Oklahoma City Police Department FACT program. And, uh, again, just thank you so much for what you're doing, your heart in, in the way that you approach it. Um, again, I, I hope more stories about uh, your program and other programs like this from around the United States maybe come out and start overshadowing the the negative press that police departments are getting right now from a lot of the media because you guys are doing some great things. And uh, it's just such a pleasure to know you and to, to have you in here and be able to share the story of the FACT program. And uh, again, if you want to get more information about the FACT program or sign up to become a mentor you can do that uh, as he said going through the mentoring project um, their their program to become a mentor and you can look at uh, the mentoringproject.com to find out about that and Wayland one more time just give me your email and phone number okay, my email is Wayland w-a-y-l-a-n-d dot cubit c-u-b-i-t at okc.gov and you can contact me at 297-1174 all right. Waylon Cubitt, uh, we're going to go out and take a ride in the police car now. <laughs> and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the OKC Show. You can find us, of course, at Oklahoma Talking Company, oklahomatalking.co. Be sure and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Oklahoma Talking. And go like our Facebook page, uh, Oklahoma Talking and the OKC Show. That's all the time that we have for today. I'm Jason Baffrey. We are out of here. The OKC Show is a production of Destiny Creative.